Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And has the story of Moses reached you? Sadaqallahu al-Aliyul Azim. Respected brothers and sisters, dearest viewers, wherever you may be, Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Last night we looked at the life of Prophet Shu'aib alayhi salam and how he was tested with his community, the people of Median. If you haven't watched that episode and do want to watch that, then please uh, go on our YouTube and Facebook and they will be uploaded there, along with all the other episodes from the previous nights. But please do continue following us on this Ramadan special by following us on YouTube and Facebook, any IPTV, your iOS and Android devices by downloading the Imam Hussein TV app. Tonight, inshallah, we'll be looking at the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam. A prophet mentioned more than any other prophet in the Quran. And I know we're going to need a few episodes to cover the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam with his brother Prophet Harun alayhi salam, Prophet Khidr alayhi salam, Qarun, Haman, Fir'aun, Asya, all of those, inshallah, a very insightful, intriguing, and many lessons to learn. I'm your host, Minhal Khafaji, the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam with Dr. Sayyid Amman Naqshwani. Sayyidna, assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks. Alhamdulillah. 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 Thank now, Sayyidna, with the episode of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam, we mentioned that um, the people of Egypt were in a very stable uh, place. They were monotheists. What happened to them? As you rightly mentioned, they were in a very stable place. Um, they were following the monotheistic path, but they took it for granted. Mm. And um, arrogance began to slowly overtake them. Where well, they believed that they were greater than everybody. <coughs> and at the same time, the material wealth became very important for them. There was more of an interest in serving themselves than serving God. So they were overtaken by a group of rulers who we title as the Fara'ina. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear the name Fir'aun, which is seen as his title, not necessarily his name. Uh -huh. We have traditions <coughs> that mention his name as Walid bin Mus'ab, and we don't really have to go with those traditions, mm -hmm. but it seems that Pharaoh was a title to them. And the Israelites who were living there at the time, having seen years of being viewed as the lowest of the people mm. and being oppressed, were awaiting that Messiah who Yusuf had spoken about. Nabi Yusuf had mentioned that there would be hard years in Egypt. And he had prophesied that there would be a Messiah who will come one day and bring the people back to glory. Bring the people back to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now Pharaoh had heard murmurs about this. He had heard that amongst the Israelites there were people who were saying that when is this Messiah going to appear? When is this Messiah going to Bring us the happiness that we have sought for so long and deliver us from injustice. And Pharaoh's closest advisor was a man by the name of Haman. Mm -hmm. 
And Haman had told Pharaoh that there is a prediction that a newborn male will be the one who causes your downfall. Now, Pharaoh gets affected by this, mm -hmm. you know. Any of these rulers, they don't want to lose their position. They're extremely arrogant personalities. And they don't believe that they can ever fall. So even the slightest thought that somebody may overtake their kingdom has a major effect on them. And Pharaoh sees a dream. In this dream, Pharaoh sees a fire that has come all the way from Jerusalem towards Egypt and burnt the whole of his palace. So when he's seeing this dream, he begins to think to himself, hold on, this is no coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yusuf spoke of a Messiah to come. The Israelite priests amongst each other are awaiting that Messiah. And here I see this dream where there is a fire that has completely burnt my palace. So he wakes up straight away and he tells Haman, I want every newborn male dead. Every baby dies. Oof. Because one of these newborn males is going to end up taking over my kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I want every single one of them dead. I want the midwives to be our spies. The midwife mm -hmm. giving birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want her to be a spy and I want spies on the spy. So I want the midwife to inform us of what's happening. And I want there to be guards keeping an eye on the midwife. Talk about trust issues. Because he knew that there's something real about this. I've seen it in a dream. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people discuss it at the same time. Haman, therefore, made a statement to everybody clear. That every Israelite is to be watched. Mm -hmm. And if there's any newborn male, then they are to be executed. Many of the Israelites at this moment thought to themselves, let's not have any children. Because if we're going to have a child, and that child is born, we can't bear to see a group of thugs walk in and execute that child. So you had this period where the Israelites had decided they will not have a child. The only family that decided they were going to have children was the family of Imran. Mm -hmm. Imran and his wife both decided that why shouldn't we have children? God blesses you, God will protect those children. Yep. If you have faith in God, he has always looked after the messengers of God. Mm -hmm. He has always looked after those who have trust in him. So why shouldn't we have a child? Imran came out to all of the Israelites. He said to them, don't be scared. Why are you all worried? On the contrary, how will we survive if we don't have children? Exactly. We have to have children. Our community will grow. If we have children, even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, encourages families to have children that he says, I'll be proud of you, even with the miscarried child. So you found that Imran says to his wife and says to others, let's not be scared. Now, many of these did not listen to Imran. Many of them turned around and said, no, we're not going to have children. We have children. Pharaoh's going to order that all of our kids are killed. 
Imran said to his wife, do you want to have a child? She said, yes. He said, would you like to get close to me? She said, yes, I'm not scared of anybody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That night, he was with his wife. The following morning at Fajr, a group of guards came and took him. Never again did his wife see him. Now we have no hadiths that he was killed, but we don't ever hear about him in the rest of the story of Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Yeah. So we presume that he was taken and killed. Why? Because he was heard to be the one who said, don't be scared of having children, have children, mm. defy. And now you know where Nabi Musa gets a bit of his speaking yeah. against yeah. injustice. Now, this mother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after her in a number of ways. Mm. If you have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't worry about the way he looks after you. The first way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after her, he ensures that the midwife who's looking after her mm. is a midwife with a soft heart. That midwife notices that this lady is a pure lady, an honorable lady. She's never done anything without there being purity behind her acts. Constantly remembering Allah while she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Pregnancy is not just about looking after that baby, nourishing them physically. It's about constantly being in dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes. recital of the Holy Quran, always ensuring that the Quran can be heard by the child because the child's upbringing begins from the womb of the mother. <clears throat> so that midwife tells her that, listen, and in some narrations, in the Quran, her name's not mentioned, Nabi Musa's mother, yep. but you find that some narrations mention her name as Joshabed. She tells her, don't worry. I won't tell anyone about your baby. But the spies who inform on me are bound to know there's a baby in this house. Musa's mother gives birth. Mm. Now she's worried because yeah. that midwife who's helped her give birth, she's worried that what's going to happen when the guards come in. Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you're worried in this state, can inspire you. If shaitan, you wesuis fi sudur nas if shaitan can whisper in the hearts of men evil, why can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not whisper in your heart that which is good? And the Quran says, yep. The Quran says, We revealed to the mother of Musa. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew what was in Moses' mother. That what's going to happen? My baby is going to die. And I've already lost my husband. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to the mother of Musa. When he reveals to the mother of Musa, someone asked the question. How does Allah reveal to a non-prophet? Someone asks that question. Mm -hmm. That how would Allah reveal to a lady who's not even a prophet? These are all words you associate with Anbiya. Yep. As the Holy Quran says with the Holy Prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can inspire the animals can inspire humans, mm -hmm. can inspire anbiya. Whoever Allah wants to, He can communicate with. You don't have to be a prophet of Allah to receive guidance and inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. In the Quran, Allah says, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى النَّحْلِ The bees, yeah. Allah says, we 
talk to them, inspire them at a certain minuscule level. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Umm Musa is not a, a, a prophet of Allah. Allah can send angels to a lady who's not a prophet like Maryam alayhi yep. salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likewise can send the wahi of Jibra'il mm-hmm. to the holy prophet, peace be upon his family. Allah can also in, talk to his communication or ensure his communication reaches his creation through ilham, which is what we believe that imams of Ahlul Bayt would receive ilham, mm-hmm. inspiration, another type of inspiration yep. from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, when that inspiration affects the heart of the mother of Musa, she gets together a box, like a cradle. Mm-hmm. She gets that box together. She knows they're going to smash the door of her house any second and come and take the baby. Because these guards were vigilant. Pharaoh was raging. I don't want to hear that there was a baby that grew up and that that baby ends up ruining my kingdom and you guys were not aware. Mm-hmm. So therefore, what happened was she put the baby in the cradle and the baby went down the river Nile. When it would go down the river Nile, she's watching that basket go down or the box go down the river Nile, wondering where's it going to go? It could easily go in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But she also remembered, my Lord is kind to me. My Lord... I trust him. Pharaoh was married to a lady called Asia. Yes. Pharaoh loved Asia, but there was one problem. Asia couldn't have children. Pharaoh had always wanted a child from Asia. Mm-hmm. Asia had always wanted a child, but she couldn't have one. She wanted a small garden type home. Mm-hmm. Built for her by the river Nile's edge. SubhanAllah. Look how Allah plans. Yes. He told her. He told the mother of Musa. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. Don't worry. It's going to come back to you. Don't worry about the plots of the people. I'm the greatest planner. As she was sitting by the, the Nile. She was sitting by a tree by the water. Mm-hmm. She sees this basket. She's thinking, what's this? She opens it, she sees Musa. She named him Musa. She named him. Because Mu, in their language, was water. Sa was the trees by the water. Mm-hmm. So she said, I will call him Musa, the one who was by the trees of the water. She took him, she was... Enamored by him. So beautiful. She loved him. And at that moment, Pharaoh sees her. Pharaoh's like, what's that? She's like, you know, this basket just coming down the Nile. And there's a baby in here. He's like, get rid of the baby, kill him. She's like, no, no, please. He's like, kill him. She's like, I beg you don't. You know I can't have kids. Pharaoh loved Asia. Mm-hmm. So he looked in her eyes. She said to him, this will be the apple of my eye for you and me. Mm-hmm. And it certainly didn't turn out to be an apple of the eye for him. <laughs> and from that moment onwards, she enters the heart of, he, Nabi Musa, enters the heart of Asya. Now, Asya. baby needs milk. Yep. It's only been a few minutes 
The baby needs milk. Asya can't give the milk. So they're asking, bring this midwife, Musa rejects the milk. Bring this midwife, Musa rejects the milk. Bring this midwife, Musa rejects the milk. Nabi Musa had a sister called Kulthum and a brother called Harun. Mm-hmm. Nabi Harun is older than Nabi Musa. Okay. Nabi Harun, sister Kulthum, sister of Nabi Musa, was following what was happening in the palace of Pharaoh. Uh-huh. Okay. Midwives were queuing to see if they are the ones who could get a job in the palace. If you get a job in the palace, you're sorted for life. What else do you want? Everything you're sorted for life. So everybody was queuing up. Everybody couldn't wait to get a job. Every single time one of these midwives tries to suckle Moses, not interested. Nabi Musa was hard to please. <laughs> or more to the point, Nabi Musa would only suckle from someone who believed in La ilaha illallah. Yes. A prophet of Allah would not eat. Mm. from a polytheist. Abdul Muttalib, Abu Talib, Abdullah, Amina, and Shi'i thought we believe every single one of them is a muwahid, Hanif, on the path of Ibrahim, believers in La ilaha illallah, wahdahu, la sharika la. Other schools in Islam don't mind calling the parents of the Prophet Kuffar, mm-hmm. calling the uncle of the Prophet such as Abu Talib. Abu Lahab is a kafir. But they call the uncle of the Prophet Abu Talib. They even say that he is a kafir. No, for us, these Prophets, the food that they eat, even that they are wary of. Mm-hmm. Kulthum quickly rushes to her mom. She's like, mom, mom, quick. She's like, what is it? She's like, mom, they need someone to suckle Moses. He wouldn't drink from anybody. The mother goes to apply for the job. Pharaoh's going crazy because Pharaoh's like, hold on. Why is this baby not taking from anybody? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Is there something special about this baby? No, nah, there isn't. There isn't. There can't be anything special about this baby. And he begins to ask people, listen, where'd you find this baby? What's the story with this baby? Asya, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Asya's like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong. This is just normal. Kulsum tells the mom. She's like, mom, quickly go and apply for the job. Mom comes in the queue, like you have a queue, for example, at a job center or something. You're all queuing up. All of a sudden, the mom comes. Moses straight away wants to be near his mother. Straight away, that relationship between the baby and the mom. That unbelievable natural relationship. The most natural relationship in Islam, we believe, is the belief in God. The second is the love of Al-Muhammad. The third is the obedience to one's parents. These are yeah. all three magnetic relationships. Mm-hmm. So what you had at that moment was Asiya and Moses' mom become best friends. Subhanallah. Because they see the young Moses growing up. Yeah. Slowly, Moses' yeah. mother has an effect on Asiya. Asiya joins the religion of Allah but conceals her faith. Asiya couldn't come out openly and say to Pharaoh, I don't believe in you, Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Asiya joins the religion of Allah. Musa is growing in the best environment. Mm-hmm. There are these anecdotal stories that I mentioned. I don't know how true they are. That one, you know, Musa, when he was a baby, pulled the beard of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's looking at the baby and thinking, hold on a minute, why is this baby pulling my beard? This must be the baby that's going to cause my ruin. And everyone's like, no, no, it's just the baby. So Musa grows up in the palace of Pharaoh. Yeah. Asiya's there. His mom's there. And although he was from Bani Israel, 
he remains somebody who's looked after simply because Asya loves him. Mm -hmm. Haman doesn't love Musa. Pharaoh doesn't love Musa. They couldn't care less. But because Asya loved Musa, nobody could mess with it. Because to Pharaoh, Asya was everything. Yeah. Now, one day, Musa goes out. He wants to, you know, he knows that you know, the Israelites are being severely and harshly treated. He yeah. knows. It's difficult for him. When he sees Haman, for example, building buildings, and in those days we don't have safety, planning permission, scaffolding. In those mm -hmm. days you fall from the top, you die. And they used to get the Israelites to do the worst jobs. Um, Moses would see this, but couldn't really say anything. He still hadn't reached that level where he'd speak out vehemently. Mm. One day, as he's gone out into town, clearly the palace was like on the outskirts of the city. No one could mess with him when he comes in the outside town. Everyone knows that this is like, you know, Pharaoh's adopted son. Nobody mm. can mess with him. He sees a fight between one of the Israelites and one of the Egyptians. Okay. When he sees the Egyptian is beating the Israelite, Nabi Musa salam interjects, pushes the Israelite, the Israelite falls and his head hits the rock. Nabi Musa salam now is in a spot of panic because I didn't mean to kill this person. I'm separating the fight. But say, no, when you say that killing this Egyptian is a sin. I no, a sin is when you kill somebody unjustly. Okay. It's a good question, Minhal, because there are people who say that when Musa said, shaytan, this is from mm. the actions of shaytan. Not me killing the person from the action of shaytan. People fighting each other and what the results are are from the actions of shaytan. Uh -huh. Nabi Musa so, was only trying to stop a fight. Mm -hmm. Nabi Musa saw somebody being oppressed. He came, pushed this person. But this person fell and smashed his head on the rock. Mm -hmm. When he smashed his head on the rock, he's died. Now is the first time in Musa's life there's difficulty. Why? Because he's still a second class citizen. He's still Israeli in comparison to... A master, Egyptian. Yeah, he is the person who's of the Bani Israel. The others are from Egypt. So he's always second class. He mm. can never really be one of them. Then the next day when he sees that same Egyptian fighting, he realizes that, that same Israelite fighting, Israelite. he re realizes that this Israelite is a troublemaker. Mm. He tries to stop the Israelite. Israelite shouts out, Musa, you're going to kill me like you killed somebody yesterday. That moment, one of Pharaoh's guards heard. Musa killed It was Musa who killed. And many of them had been waiting to get to Nabi Musa because he was the favorite of the palace. Mm -hmm. Nabi Musa at this moment realized that this is the most difficult moment for him. If Pharaoh hears that Moses has killed one of his own Egyptians, he won't care who Moses is. That's the end. Hezqel, Pharaoh's elder cousin, was in the palace, mm -hmm. had seen Moses grow up, loves Nabi Musa alayhi salam. Hezqel came and told Musa, Musa leave. Musa go. Mm -hmm. Because Pharaoh is enraged. How is it that an Israelite has killed an Egyptian? Israelites are dirt. Egyptian are the upper class. And you have the audacity to kill one? Mm -hmm. 
Hizqail came and told him, Musa, leave. From there, he goes towards where we mentioned yesterday. Which land did he go to after he left Egypt to get married eventually? Hebron. He went towards the land of Madian. So inshallah, we'll see shortly after the break what happens from that period onwards. Before we continue with the story of the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam, a short break and join us for the second part. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, brothers and sisters, dear viewers, wherever you may be, and a very warm welcome back to you all. Now, saying that before the break, we were discussing the beginning of the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam and the killing of that Egyptian. Now, Sayyidina, you mentioned Hasqil towards the end of uh, the first part. Now, in chapter 40, verse 28, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and a believing man from the family of Pharaoh who concealed his faith said, do you kill a man merrily because he said, My Lord is Allah, while he has brought you clear proofs from your Lord? And if he should be lying, then upon him is the consequence of his lie. But if he should be, t if he should be truthful, they will strike you some of what he promises you. Indeed, Allah does not guide one who is a transgressor and a liar. Hiding his faith, isn't this a form of taqiyya? Yes, it's one of the clearest forms of taqiyya. That sometimes there are environments in which you can't reveal what you believe. Mm -hmm. Normally environments full of animals. When you live under an empire of animals uh, who are willing to behead anybody who differs with them, that's when you normally conceal your faith. It's a matter of survival. And Islamic history is full of those animals where you couldn't really reveal that you're a follower of Ahlul Bayt, otherwise you'd be killed, you'd be massacred. Listen, if you can behead the Prophet Muhammad's grandson, peace be upon him and his family, it's very normal for you to take out the lives of others as well. Yeah. So what happens then is that when Hizqil tells Moses, you have to leave. Nabi Musa alayhi salam is in a predicament. Mm -hmm. For so long, Nabi Musa had been living comfortably in Egypt. As an upright individual. But all of a sudden now, he's public enemy number one. Mm-hmm. No more is it going to be Musa, who is the most glorious of Egypt, the most beloved of Egypt. Now Musa has to mature into his own role. But he has that trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many of us in life, when we're hit with certain barriers, we don't know how to recover. But if I have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let me start again. Mm -hmm. He'll open for me another door. And if that door closes... Let me start again. He'll open for me another door. So, yeah. He left Egypt, where he had grown up all his life. And now he wandered until he got to Median. Mm -hmm. <coughs> we said in Median, who did he meet? Which prophet? Prophet Shu'aib. Prophet Shu'aib. When he met Prophet Shu'aib, the narrations mention 
as we said yesterday, he said to him, Ya Khatib al-Anbiya, or orator of the prophets. Mm-hmm. And he ends up marrying the daughter of Nabi Shu'aib alayhi salam. Yep. So now, Musa gets married, mm-hmm. has a family in Madian, couple of children. And one night while he's with his wife and with his children, he sees a fire. Mm. One of the most glorious moments in the Quran. What we call that burning bush. Mm-hmm. And the voice which then emerges from the Lord of the heavens. I am mm. your Lord, O Musa. And he gives him a set of instructions. Mm-hmm. Take off your shoes for you're entering the holy land. That stick that you have, mm-hmm. and the instruction concerning placing his hand and then letting the hand out again. Mm-hmm. All of these instructions have a meaning behind now, it. Now, saying that he goes towards the fire, what's the difference between Thor and Thorisinin, and where was it located? Well, that area, according to the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, they believe that that area was the land of Karbala. Really? Yes. Now, some say this is far-fetched because Egypt and Median are completely in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He wants to, kun fayakun, be and it will be, and He will allow a person to enter this area which is a sacred area. Mm-hmm. And we believe that Karbala is a piece of Jannah. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have these traditions that that particular moment was a mystical moment mm-hmm. where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Nabi Musa alayhi salam. There is many hadiths which talk about Karbala being the location. Now, why give him a stick and a white, and why does he tell him to take his shoes off before speaking to God? All these questions many have asked, you know, why, why take off your shoes I remember reading one opinion, oh, they were made out of donkey uh, donkey skin and therefore he wasn't allowed to wear them. I think when you're looking at the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, they mention that firstly, there is this respect. You're about to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, you could go to people's houses and tell you, excuse me, can you have some respect and leave the shoes at the door? Yeah. Let alone when you're entering this sacred valley to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And number two, that it's as if Take away all your other loves in this world mm-hmm. and devote your love wholly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. At the moment, O Musa, you have a great love for your wife. At the moment, O Musa, you have a great love for your children. Now put these to the side yep. and devote all your love for them in the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. In terms of the stick or the staff of Moses, when it's struck, it becomes a serpent. Mm-hmm. In terms of the hand that emerges, that hand in a way metaphorically is telling Moses, muster up courage and strength. Mm-hmm. You're able at that moment to defeat any of your enemies. Mm. I know that there are some who say that this hand clearly was a response to the Bible where the Bible said that you know there was a hand of leprosy and Allah was showing that he has a white clear hand. But these are also messages now Moses muster up strength. Mm-hmm. Go back to Pharaoh. And talk to him and talk to the people. 
about the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now Sayyidina, it says in the Quran in chapter 20 verse 44, um, because you said, go back and speak to him. Now it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and speak to him with gentle speech and perhaps he may be reminded or fear Allah. Why does he tell him to speak softly to Pharaoh? It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Moses, he tells him that, listen, go, take Harun, your brother. Mm-hmm. He's your backbone. Moses wanted Harun. Ya Allah, allow me, and this is a dua which I always recite before I give a lecture. Any mm-hmm. lecture I give, I will always do a few things, and one of them is recite, Rabbi Shrahli Sadri. Some people said because Musa had a speech impediment. No. Musa is just saying to him, give me the strength to be fluent. This is going to be a difficult moment. I'm going to have to go and stand in front of the most powerful man, most arrogant man, a man who's killed over 20,000 children. I'm going to need as much strength as possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, take that stick with you. Be ready. You're going to be able to defeat him. Mm-hmm. The priests in Egypt are also awaiting you. Because amongst the priests, there were some believing, devout priests who had mm-hmm. continued the path of Nabi Yusuf salam and the path of Nabi Ibrahim salam, who had made sure that nobody forgot the monotheism which was taught by those prophets. But Allah reminds him, speak to Pharaoh in a soft voice. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you should still honor that he brought you up for the first years of your life. Look at the akhlaq that remains. Yeah. Our akhlaq with those who raised us is what makes us a Muslim, not our prayers and our fasts. If I'm praying five times a day and I'm fasting in the holy month of Ramadan, but I'm somebody who's extremely rude to my parents, and I'm somebody who's hit my parents, I'm somebody who doesn't make any effort to build a relationship with my parents, then those fasts are pointless. Sadly. A person, their respect to their parents, their obedience of their parents, that is what makes them the believer. Mm-hmm. Fir'aun's not even his father. But yeah. bef- because Fir'aun raised him for a number of years, mm-hmm. he says to him that the kalam should be layin. It shouldn't be hard. If with someone like Fir'aun, who is claiming things which are blasphemous, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that make sure that what you talk with Fir'aun is something soft, Mm -hmm. then how should I be talking with my mother and my father? In this holy month of Ramadan, all of us, all the viewers, all of us included, should try and reflect on the way we talk with our parents. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes impatient moments from us. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes rude moments from us. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes moments where we say, Uffin, as the Quran says, even that is not meant to be said. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him that when you're going to go towards Mm Fir'aun, go towards Fir'aun and make sure that you're going to be speaking to him in a manner Mm -hmm. which is not rude, not abrasive, not very hard-hearted. So yeah. Moses enters that city. Okay. When he enters Egypt again, mm. after having not been there for years, 
He passes by an area where somebody looks at him and says to him, Welcome, O you who was prophesied by Yusuf alayhi salam. That was one of the priests who had waited for the signs of Musa, mm -hmm. calculated the dates. Nabi Musa sat with him, talked with him, and then Nabi Musa with Nabi Harun headed where? They headed to the court of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. When they headed to the court of Pharaoh, this is one of the most difficult moments any prophet will ever have to go through. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh and Haman were having their regular meetings with all of their advisors. So while they're having their regular meetings with all of their advisors, the narrations mention that Musa enters and he says, he is waiting by the side of the palace yep. and says, Oh Pharaoh, purify yourself. Mm -hmm. Come towards the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he begins to talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Pharaoh looks at him. He says, aren't you Musa? Doesn't even recognize Doesn't him. recognize him. It's been years. He says to him, aren't you Musa? He says to him, yes, I am. He said, did not my wife raise you? Mm -hmm. He said to him, yes. He said, didn't you not grow up in the luxuries of my palace? He said to him, yes. He said to him, you think that you've got the audacity to come back to Egypt? Mm -hmm. Having killed somebody of my own people? You who are a killer, want to teach me about which way to go? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that Nabi Musa describes himself at that moment to Pharaoh saying that he was one of the Zalim. Yeah. Now, some people said this shows he's not a ma'soom. Because if he was a ma'soom his whole life, he wouldn't say, I was one of the Zalim because of that moment with the killing of the Egyptian. Yep. But here, Zalim could also mean mm -hmm. that I was one of those who did not take the better option of mm -hmm. staying away from that fight. And only took the good option of trying to separate, which resulted in this. Yeah. Therefore, Dalin here doesn't mean that I'm somebody who was a sinner or astray from the path of God. Mm -hmm. I hadn't reached that level yeah. of prophethood like I have today, mm -hmm. which I announce to you, mm. O Pharaoh. Pharaoh looks at him, thinks, this guy's got nothing. And I can destroy him. There's no way he can defeat me. Mm. Show us a sign from your Lord. Now, when you got a stick that can become a snake, that's enough of a miracle. Exactly. But the thing is, Pharaoh, even though he's worried with Musa's return, makes an announcement that I've also got sorcerers. So if you think that your stick doing that, my sorcerers can destroy your magic mm -hmm. what you've come here with we can destroy now say in uh, when we look at chapter 79 verse 24 Fir'aun says and and said I'm your exalted Lord when does Pharaoh say that good question yes. I am your most exalted Lord Astaghfirullah one of the moments of kufr yeah because every time Musa would talk about Allah the Creator, Pharaoh would look at him baffled. Mm -hmm. 
Allah, master of all the worlds, but hold on, I'm master of all the worlds. He'd also see Musa talking to Allah. You know, you raise your hands sometimes mm -hmm. in dua and you're looking up. Yeah. So Pharaoh would tell Haman, you know what, build a spiral staircase. Let's get to the top there. He got to the top, he got an arrow, he shot the arrow up there, blood came down, he said, look, I killed the Lord of Musa. Pharaoh was going crazy at this moment. And he needed a way in which he was able to destroy Musa salam. Mm -hmm. And which way did he go about this? He went about it by organizing a huge event. Mm -hmm. This event that he's organized, he's got his magicians mm. and he wants them to finish Musa off once and for all. And these magicians come and say, look, if our magic is as great as it is, we should finish him. But if his magic defeats us, then it's not just magic. There must be something else. Mm. And they had heard Nabi Musa speak and they recognized that this is just not a normal person. The way he talks, the wisdom he was giving, the proverbs he was giving. Sure. Haman is told by Pharaoh. Haman is told by Pharaoh that, listen, I want you to organize the biggest ever as if like today, you know, when you have like a boxing match with the two heavyweights. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to organize it We've got to finish Musa off once and for all. Mm. Because these Israelites are slowly getting a bit more confident. Mm. Suddenly there are groups of Israelites who are a bit more confident than they were last year. Yeah. This Musa has given people hope. His return has made people suddenly awake. And so they organized this whole huge event where they've brought everybody together. Mm. These magicians have come forward. Now these magicians... When they've come forward, they had these sticks. Some narrations mentioned that there was a liquid in these sticks or mercury within these sticks that if they put it in front of the sun at a certain angle, it looks like a snake. A snake. <laughs> when they did this, the crowd was in awe. Mm. Everybody in the crowd was looking and thinking, wow. Where's the Israelite? What's the Israelite going to be able to do? Nabi Musa salam stick didn't look like a snake. It became a snake. snake. It became a snake and destroyed their sticks. That moment it happened. Mm. You know when that sudden Iman enters you? Yeah. Where you've seen, you ask reverts when they came towards Ahlul Bayt, there was a moment where they heard something, they saw something, they felt something and straight away you, they knew that was the truth. Mm. These magicians all of a sudden went down in sujood and they called out, Amanna bi Rabbi Musa wa Harun. Interesting statement, Amanna bi Rabbi Musa wa Harun. Not just bi Rabbi Musa, Full Iman requires you to believe in Allah, mm -hmm. His Prophet, and the successor of that Prophet. Mm -hmm. Full Iman requires you to believe in Allah. Amanna bi Rabb. The Prophet. Bi Rabbihu. Musa. Not just the Prophet, also the successor. Ahsan. Harun. Ahsan. A full Mu'min 
doesn't believe in Allah and the prophets and reject the one who's chosen as a prophet. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they called out, Musa wa Harun. Their kalima, their shahada was la ilaha illallah. Nashhadu anna Musa Rasulullah. Wa anna Harun. Harun was the Nabi. Musa was the Nabi. And they believed that the full Risala could not be complete just by mentioning Musa. Amanna bi Rabbi Musa wa Harun. To believe in a prophet of Allah and reject his wasi. You can be a Muslim, you'll never achieve full Iman. Hence Imam Ali is known as Amir al-Mu'mineen, not Amir al-Muslimin. He's Amir al-Mu'mineen. Even Nabi Musa alayhi salam, you should tell his people, full Iman. Nabi Musa says, once Allah told me, those who follow your brethren are those who have complete Iman. He said, Ya Allah, my brethren Ibrahim and Ishaq and Ismail. He said, no, your brethren Muhammad and Al-Muhammad. Salawatullah wa salamu And he would tell people, people would ask him, Musa, how did you remain strong through all these turbulent times? You grew up, you were accused of a murder, you left the town. And what did he reply? He would reply by saying, by constantly saying salawat on Muhammad and Al-Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. Therefore, these magicians did not go down in sujood and just say, Amanna bi Rabbi Musa. Amanna bi Rabbi Musa wa Harun. Ahsant. Ahsant. This is when Fir'aun says, Ana rabbukum al-a'la. Subhanallah. Sayyidna. When he says, Ana rabbukum al-a'la. Yep. They look not affected. You can say whatever you want to say. It means nothing. You know, I remember reading a story. Pharaoh wanted something to be done. He used to call himself God. And somebody asked him to change some fruits into diamonds. This is an anecdotal story. Yeah. If your God changed these fruits into pearls, for example, mm -hmm. he looked at the guy and said, okay, uh, get back to me later. Uh, I'll give you an answer later. That person left. Somebody outside of that room goes, <laughs> he calls himself God, he can't do something that easy. Pharaoh called out, who dares speak to me like that? He was like, <laughs> he asks who's behind the door. If you're God, you should know who's behind that door. Pharaoh said, who are you? He said, I'm shaitan. He said to him, Pharaoh, listen to me carefully. I said many things. I never once said I am God. I said many things. I said I will not do sujood to Adam. I said that. I said when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told me, what do you want? I said, I want to be living until I can deceive all of them. I said all of this. Never did I say, Ana rabbukum al-a'la. Pharaoh looked at him and said, so why didn't you do sujood to Adam? He said, because in the generations of Adam, I saw stupid people like you. I thought it's not worth doing sujood. He's locked in Shah Ramadan. Otherwise, he destroys us throughout the year. Well, he's got jokes. Look at him. He's like, listen. 
Don't say ana rabbukum al-a'la. The most blasphemous. So shaitan You know in Surah An-Nas. Yeah. What do we say? Qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas. Then. Malikin nas. Then. Ilahin nas. Why? One of the opinions is because Pharaoh called himself Rabb, Malik, and Ilah. And the Quran said, Qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas. Malikin nas. Ilahin nas. Meaning, you Pharaoh said Rabb, there's only one Rabb. In another ayah, he says, I am the Malik. Oh, there's only one Malik. In another ayah, he said, I am the Ilah. There's only one Ilah. We're reminded throughout our lives, always say, Qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas, malikin nas, ilah Be careful you never reach a level where one day you say, Ana al-Rabb, Ana al-Malik, Ana al-Ilah. Astaghfirullah. Interesting perspective. Therefore, for us, <coughs> Shaitan looked at me and said, Stupid. I myself did not do sujood to Adam. But I never said, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la. When I talk to Allah, I say, Fabi'izzatika. <laughs> With your glory and majesty. Don't ever be arrogant to say, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la, O Pharaoh. <laughs> he told those magicians, he said, I'm going to crucify you. Cut off your hands, cut off your uh, feet. No problem. When a person dies in the way of Allah, they don't fear death. Exactly. And therefore, 80 people at that moment went down in sujood with them saying, Amanna bi Rabbi Musa wa Harun. Because now they've seen a miracle has come from Nabi Musa. Mm -hmm. Why the miracle of the stick becoming a snake? Because there were many magicians in that time. Every prophet has a miracle related to when? To related time. to their time. Yep. Nabi Musa, the people's expertise was what? Magic. Magic. So Allah gave him the bayyanat or the mu'ajizah of the stick, mm -hmm. which how many times now has he put the stick on the ground? First time was where? By the side of the mountain. Yes. Yep. Because in Arabic, people ask, what's the difference between Tur and Tur Sinin? Tur and Tur Sina, for example. Mm -hmm. Tur is the mountain. Tur Sina or Sinin is a mountain that has got many trees on it. Aha, uh -huh, okay. So people sometimes imagine that Sina or Sinin, Mount Sinai, mm -hmm. Mount Sinai, Tur is the mountain. Sina or Sinin is what? Is that it's full of trees. Mm -hmm. First time he put down that stick, there. Second time, when he met Pharaoh. Third time, when he eventually led to these people coming towards the path. Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who also got influenced at that moment? Asiya. As okay. Because now Asiya cannot take it anymore. Mm -hmm. She's seen Moses' back. She saw Moses grow up. She loved Moses. Fir'aun said, Ana rabbukum al She saw people stand up to Fir'aun. This was the moment she stood up. said, I don't believe in you as my Lord. He said, so sorry. She said, I don't believe in you and my Lord. You're not my Lord. And you know, it breaks my heart when I hear this, this story. Because the way he used to torture people, you hear always people mentioning in, in Surah Al-Fajr, Fara'un the Autad. Yeah. 
they used to, you know, literally rip up their hands and their feet. Mm -hmm. He said to Asya, that baby was in the river Nile. I only let him live because of you. And I've loved you all my life. What's wrong? She's like, I can't. She says to him, I can't. I cannot say that you are God. She said, you've been good to me, but you've been bad to others. And she said that Moses is a messenger of Allah. He said to her, anything you wanted, I gave. She said to him, while you sleep, the Lord of Moses is always awake. Mm. He gave her time to think it over. She said, I can't. Allah made an example of her stand. When you are a lady living in luxury, you're a lady that has everything. You know, many of our revert sisters had to leave their families to come towards the path of God. Many of them lost their friends. Some lost their children. But I say the best example for them to look at is Asiya. Because Asiya had everything. Mm -hmm. But one thing was missing. And that was devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where she could be open. Yep. Until eventually she told Fir'aun, no, I can't. He said, I'm going to crucify you. I've got pillars and I've got knives and they're going to rip up your body. She said, do it. And all she asked Allah was just, I want a house which is in proximity to you in Jannah. Not physical proximity, but for your beloved chosen ones. SubhanAllah. ضَرَبَ اللَّهِ مَثَلًا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Amra'at Fir'aun, the wife of Pharaoh. When she said, O my Lord, build for me a house in proximity to you in Jannah. Save me from Pharaoh and his actions. And save me from the oppressive nation. That's why in our books, when we say there are four women of Jannah, yep. who are they? Fatima. Who's the first? The Asiya. first, Asiya. Asiya, yeah. Maryam, I'm saying first chronology. Okay. Asiya, Maryam, Khadija, and Fatima Zahra. Fatima Zahra is the greatest ever to have lived. Yes. But Asiya stand with Pharaoh <clears throat> is probably the most inspiring in the Quran. Because for somebody to have everything, but still feel they have nothing mm -hmm. until they find Allah. Her martyrdom was tragic, but at the same time inspiring. Ahsantum Sayyidina, thank you very much for your time tonight, for that beautiful, insightful discussion on the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam with his uh, brother Prophet Harun. Um, do stay tuned for tomorrow's episode, the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam with Prophet Khidr. And inshallah, an insightful discussion, a very heartbreaking story at the end there. But I'm sure you all managed to get through it. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.